Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the UXR podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Paula Macedo, who's a UX researcher in South America. In fact, she's the head of UX research at a company called NewBank. NewBank is revolutionizing the financial services for millions of people in South America, covering countries like Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, Peru, and more. It's a really interesting experience doing research in South America and quite different from other continents. And we talk a lot about that, her path into UX research, and the importance of thinking broadly when we think of the diverse nature of the people we work with. Hope you enjoy this episode. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the UXR podcast. Uh, I have a very special guest here today. Her name is Paolo Macedo, uh, and she joins us all the way from Brazil. Good morning, Paola. Good morning. Thank you, Alec. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. I think you're our first guest from South America, uh, which is very exciting. Yes. I love to talk about my place and about people. (laughs) So (laughs) I think we're going to talk... I think we're going to talk quite a bit about South America, which is going to be a lot of fun and doing research there. But before we get into that, Mm -hmm. can you tell me a bit about your journey into research? Right now, you're the head of UX research at a company called NewBank, which is a pretty important company that I think a lot of people might not have heard of. Um, So maybe you can start with your story as to how you ended up where you are today. Great. Sure. So I started my, my career as a librarian sciences you know, scientist. And um, I learned at that point about information architecture and how can you organize the human knowledge in a way that people can access it. And I get passionate about that, you know. So my, my first contact, it was the Polar Bear book from Peter Morvai and Lou Rosenfeld that actually I are a librarian. Not everyone knows about that. And then I, I, I deep dive in this world. In, uh, in Latin America, UX research as a discipline is, is kind of new. So I spend most time of my career working more generally, like UX kind of thing. Uh, but I get more and more passionate about listening to the users and uh, bringing that, that voice to the center of the design. And at some point, I, I, I figured out that the, the innovation and design thinking were places that you're, we're using deeply, human understanding to build uh, design. And I, the first time I started to do a complete full research before starting to design, I, I said, I cannot do it in a different way. You know, I, it's not my idea. It's, I'm, a, I'm a tool to bring things to life, but I had to listen to people. And then I start to, my background, it is design thinking. So I worked many years in uh, in CETUM. It's a a Latin American uh, basic consultancy that uses innovation, design thinking, strategic design. Uh, And then I I start my my steps as a leading UX, first uh, at Embraer, I don't know how, how much you know. It's a big. You guys make airplanes. Aircraft company, yes, and it's a it's a scenario 
know a lot of engineers, technology, tech-driven company, but they were starting the innovation, disruptive innovation area, you know, that was really about listening to the people. So I start out there to create a team to, to, to rethink uh, from the users what the new technologies we can build. And that time you were building together with Uber Elevate the, the vision of uh, urban air mobility. So it was my, my first step leading UX. And then I joined the bank last year. So I'm one year now at Nubank. Uh, it's a great company that uh, is revolutionizing the way people lead with finances. We're bringing back to people uh, how they manage their own finances, uh, fighting against the bureaucracy, the status quo. And we started in Brazil, and now we are also in Mexico, Colombia, and other places in Latin America. So this is my story. <laughs> That's a very good story. Um, for a lot of the listeners that don't live in South America, which I imagine is most of them, can you tell people a bit about like why Nubank is such a big deal? Because it kind of is in South and Central America. Yes. Um, what need is it solving uh, that has allowed it, that's so painful, that's allowed it to grow so quickly throughout the continent? Yeah, so... Uh... I don't know exactly how the, the status quo financing it is outside of these places, but I know this also sucks sometimes. But in Latin America, it was really um, preventing people, you know. So our um, we have many unbanked people, you know. So people don't have access to the very basic services sometimes for making taking care of their money. And so on. Sometimes they they, uh, they save their money in their houses. It is still common in Brazil. Wow. We do research with people that they don't feel confident about the banking, uh, for instance, because we have stories back in the past that the bank was super connected to the corrupted politicians, you know. So people was not just trusting at all. In Brazil, in the 90s, for instance, we have color a president that one of his uh, actions was freezing all banking accounts, all saving from people for eight months to save the economy. So people got big trauma, you know, in their relationship wow. with banking. And many of people didn't have a banking at all. So because we have super high taxes, it was pretty elitist service, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. um, everything started when uh, David Vélez, he's from Colombia, and he moved to Brazil. And he didn't, he, he, he suffered a lot to open his uh, banking accounts because he didn't have the, the um, uh, ID that's net from, from Brazilians that uh, was born in Brazil and he had so much bureaucracy. And then he started, started seven years ago together with Cristina and Ed. Um, Cristina is from Brazil, Ed is from Europe. So they started this idea from having a completed digital bank without taxes 
and with amazing user experience, amazing customer mm -hmm. experience. And that even from today, it's still our, our differentiator. So people feel listened by and they feel that they can have the same experience on the apps that they love in a bank. So we introduced in Brazil something that was brand new. People having a relationship with bank. Social media, so loving a bank. This is brand new. It's because the way we take care of people, you know, is 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 really making banking accessible, but uh, also taking care of people. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense. So I get. I guess that means research is a big part of what you do. Mm. Um, if the sort of the user experience of the product is so foundational to yes. the strategy that has led you to success. Yes, exactly. For growth, right? Yeah. Because we have so many different profile of users because Brazil, it's, uh, we have many different profiles of banking, you know? Uh, so research is a way to, to understand the different unmet needs that we have. And I think this leads nicely into, a, you know, something that a lot of people might not realize. Um, you know, South America is not a monolithic mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, probably more than, than a lot of folks might think, there's a lot of distinct cultures and languages and, you know, ways of living and all that kind of stuff that I imagine makes not just building a product, but also doing research very difficult um, mm -hmm. because of that sort of broad range of experiences. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like doing research among such a varied group of people? Mm -hmm. I, love, I love that you brought this topic, Alec, because even starting by Brazil, Brazil, it's a huge country. And uh, sometimes people have an image, you know, from soccer, from the music. <laughs> but we are so diverse inside of the country, you know, we are big in terms of size, but it's more than 200 million people in this country, you know. So even inside of Brazil, when you go to the south where I live, uh, southwest, and you go to the northeast and north, the needs are so different. The repertory people have around technology, it's so different, you know. So even inside of Brazil, uh, it's not um, homogeneous kind of experience that you have to provide. You have to be mindful about the different needs and contests where we are going to bring those technologies. So this type of studies to understand our target or the segment of the population are going to start to, to serve. It's super important for us. And you go to Latin America, it's the same. So Mexico, for instance, the second country that Nubank started, uh, the reasons why people hire Nubank is different from the reasons why people hire Nubank here in Brazil. Because Mexico has a different relationship with credit cards, for instance, that the, the initial product that we had, it was a credit card without taxes, completely digital. You don't have to go to a bank, uh, agencies to, be, to, to request yours, you know. And the, 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 the market from Brazil is so different from the Mexico. And even the way people relate to the credit, you know, the reasons why they built, 
the, the image that they have, the emotional relationship that they have, what does that access means for them? It's so different because Mexico is also a huge country. So when we uh, studied Mexico, we had to conduct a study there to understand who are going to be our early adopters. So what are the, the from the, all the Mexico population, what are the profile of customer that will, will uh, benefit more for something like Nubank? And it's different from Brazil. And now that you're, you're joining Colombia, we just started in Colombia, is the same, you know. But even before Nubank, uh, at Incitum, we, um, Incitum uh, has a headquarter in Mexico, but it's all over Latin America, Colombia, Peru, Argentina, all over Latin America. And uh, many times you conduct studies, for instance, for Uber, Facebook, Google, or even uh, consumer goods like uh, bimbo, that's uh, a food kind of thing, in different countries to understand the differences and how the marketing campaigns should be, how the products should be adapting, uh, who is the best place to start with the technology. So it was super common that we, we see different um, uh, ways of offering the, the services, uh, different needs in all those countries. Can you give me an example? So you, you just went and launched in Colombia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Colombia is a very different place from, let's say, Brazil. Can you tell me a bit about how you thought about starting that research process? What were the kinds of questions that you were asking internally within your team and how are you preparing to go out and learn those new those new things that were required to have a successful launch yeah so our army mission at nubank it's uh fighting against the status quo fighting against the bureaucracy so the first thing is understand what the status quo means on those countries and what people is pissed off about you know what are things that are make the most uncomfortable with the current banking, you know? So So you you want to know why people are mad. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) (laughs) in Colombia, um, we started with uh, social media watching, you know, what people, because it's a place that now everyone learned to complain, you know? So what people are complaining about, uh, about the current banking. And then we start to, Understand, make an assessment of how the market is, is based. We also uh, try to use uh, net pr- promoting score, NPS, as a, a, a metric to check out the other competitors. So who, who is the best, who, who are the best and who are worse, you know. Just checking out from the best, what are people still complaining about? And then... Understanding that, we start to conduct more quality research with our main profiles that we want you to listen, to, to identify what makes people to, uh, to change, to try out something new. Because we, we all knew from Nubank came from transparent, like, you know, naked, and also from, um, from new, you know. So we want to bring the new newness so in in each country we want to understand what it means what will be revolutionary 
for that uh, early adopters, and then start to build the narrative and also to prioritize the features that will uh, meet that need and that uh, desire from that community. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So it's basically, you know, you got to start every time you go into a new place, a new country, a new segment within a country, it's about understanding that status quo, yes. um, under, understanding those frustrations, and then following that up with, you know, a lot of qualitative research to understand where, you know, uh, how to position the product, but also what needs to be built to fulfill that vision of a more transparent financial system for them. Exactly. That's, that's right. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, this, this is kind of interesting because it speaks to something that I know you're passionate about, Mm -hmm. which is around Mm -hmm. the importance of narratives. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who's sitting in Sao Paulo and you're going and doing research in other places, mm-hmm. places where you are not a member of the community, places where you don't live, yes. right? That must be a bit of a challenge to go and then represent their lives and experiences and beliefs and opinions accurately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you've done some thinking about this. Can you tell me a bit around why you think it's important that we're very critical and thoughtful about narratives especially around people that we don't necessarily uh know intimately from our own personal experiences oh i like i love this topic you know so if i talk too much please stop me but (laughs) (laughs) it started from a a first a self-perception when i i was doing research outside of brazil so something uh even even before when you used to host uh, foreign researchers to, to do um, um, a deep dive and immersion about our market, you know, in Brazil, for instance, I worked with Pinterest uh, and they were trying to understand what the, the, the aesthetics that people care about and things like this. And so they, they came with a huge team to Brazil. Besides the interviews itself, you used to take them to the place people go to buy food, to, you know, everything that composes the repertory of people. Because we thought that was important for them to really understand why people are saying things that they're saying. So included, uh, I have an article I share with you that from, um, they, they were from Blink, researchers from Blink, and they, they, they wrote about how important it was meeting the neighborhoods and things like this together with us in our research that we did. And then I wrote an article saying about how to provide this experience from people that came from other culture to understand Brazil or any other place in Latin America. They so it's not enough to do the interviews. Yes. It's also critical that you go and you live a little bit yes. with those people to understand. Yes. The contest, the contest, is super important to understand the behavior and and even what people are saying, you know. Because and then when I started to do research outside of Brazil, I figured out something. Because for instance, in Brazil, we we have a, a trait in our culture that we don't like to to say no to people. We don't like to say that we didn't like something. 
So, for instance, mm. in Brazil, when you are uh, making evaluation of a product, of a service, there is a, um, uh, how can I say, a shades of yes, I like it, you know. Because <laughs> it's super rare that someone say, I don't like it, you know. Right. Uh, They're very polite. Yes, too much sometimes. But if you're not Brazilian, it's hard to, you see, not they love everything, but then when you go out, they don't use, they don't buy it. It's because they used to say, Oh, it's nice, I like it. This is almost, I don't like, I'm not going to use it. You know, when they are super excited about something, they like it, and they really mm -hmm. notice how different it was when I started to do research in the US, and people were so straightforward about what they don't like. And when they love something, they were not as excited. And I could right. notice that in the voice, but in the small expressions in the face. And then I, I, I learned that I had to understand uh, uh, North American culture, U.S. culture, to make an analysis about the research that I was doing there for this urban and mobility project from Embraer. And then we go, sure. went to Dubai, you know. It was a completely <laughs> different place because Dubai is a place where this new technology is always be launched, you know. And the way I could enter in Dubai, it's a place that they don't have; they have many different cultures. All, uh, all places there is uh, the, the the local population is only five percent of the population. The rest of them are, are immigrants. So imagine how mixed to all that uh, field work. And I, I re really realized that I needed the local researchers to help me to understand what I was listening. It was not a direct right. uh, thing, you know. So we start by this so even, perspective. Yeah. Yeah, even something as simple as uh, whether or not you like yes. uh, a thing. The range of um, sort of responses or, or output from a participant Uh, can vary dramatically for the same thing. Yeah. So whereas in Brazil, from bad to good, it might be, I like it to, oh my God, sign me up right now. I'll take yes. my money. I want to buy it instantly. Yes. Yes. Whereas in America, it might be something like, this is crap. I don't want to look at it yeah. to, Not this bad. is nice. Right? This is nice being, I will purchase it tomorrow. This is great. I'm excited. Um, but that's the range of input. And without actually spending the time and being in the space, yes. you wouldn't know that I like it in America and I like it in Brazil mean the opposite things. Exactly. So, so, so it started by that, by, by my own experience, you know. And then I started to read things about the, the, the narratives that we built. Us, in a position of a designer, of a researcher, sometimes we... We tend to, we can, we can, we can tend to see the world from the place we are, you know, from mm -hmm. the, the experience that we had in our life. And then I'll bring an example. Uh, here in Brazil, uh, Brazil is the second uh, most unequal country in the world, you know, in terms of income. We're just, we're just worse than uh, Qatar. That's not a demo democracy <laughs> at all, you know. That's true. Yeah. And then we have so many different realities, you know, and even Brazilian researchers can read, uh, for instance, we can go, and we have a huge amount of people in the middle class, that's class C, 
And we have many, for instance, single mothers that they work, they take care of the house, you know, and they, they take decisions of what they're going to buy. And it's not the cheapest thing. They think about what they're going to last more. So it's a um, purchase behavior that's watched by everywhere in the, in the world, but also inside of Brazil, this public of class C, the middle class. And usually I saw people uh, telling, uh, shaping the stories of those women, like, oh, they're so strong. They are warriors, you know. But when you go and meet deeply those women, they are tired. They don't want to be strong, you know. They don't want to keep doing that thing. They want a different life for them and for their kids. And then mm -hmm. we start, we, I saw that researchers and designers, they, they make a romantic perspective of the, the this type of uh, people or poor people, you know. Oh, they're so strong and they're so happy. They're in bad conditions and they're happy. They're smiling. Because remember, remember I told you, people are smiling even though they're not happy here. So, <laughs> yes, you know, it's not right. because they're strong. You know, it's because right. it's the way they, they use to to to, uh, to survive. So it's survival tool. It's not a, 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 a something that comes from inside. You know, so right. I I realize that we have to tell the stories in a, in a more um, taking our perspective from that, trying to tell the story, stories from their perspectives, and it, it's really from the pictures, for instance, that select to represent them it's about the, the the not make that a romantic thing you know and that's true for all latin america but even other places when i went to dubai uh, I, i could have as a woman an image of a woman that used burka you know it's burka that you say in english right mm -hmm. uh, and then i yeah. when i met the lady she was an entrepreneur You know, she is. She had dreams that were similar to mine. You know, and she wanted to show, show me her house. And I looked to her eyes. I said, "It's completely different from the stereotype that I had from a you know someone that's most that use a burka." So I had to tell the story from her perspective, and not my perspective, because right. stories shape reality. Stories uh, shape products. So it's super important the way we build those narratives. It's very interesting. In essence, you know, as researchers, we have a responsibility. Yeah. Uh, to, and we have power. Yes. To tell the story of other people, tell the stories of other people, and we need to be very careful when we do that that we're not projecting our own values and beliefs on other people in the way we shape that narrative. Uh, you know, just like you were saying with the single single mothers in Brazil, yes. you know, we might see, you know, this impressive individual who does so much. And from their eyes, they don't see themselves as, you know, the hero in a story or a warrior, as you were saying, mm -hmm. but as somebody who would really like to be living in a different situation. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Yes. It's a and huge I guess, responsibility. You know, and you have to, to be conscious about that. Our, our own And a bias, you know, and uh, then we can Absolutely. make a different uh, narrative and stories and so on. And the, the other thing that you said that was really interesting there is you gave a few specific examples of, you know, where we need to be really thoughtful and critical. Yes. So one that you said 
that really stood out to me was in in terms of choosing pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're out in the field and you're talking to people and you're gathering information about how people live, and some of those artifacts, of course, might be pictures yes. that you might take along the way. Tell me a bit about why you think pictures are important. And I think this is great because it's a very tactical thing that yeah. you know folks can do when they go out and do their research. But why why are pictures important? Yeah, images in general, right? I I, I think stories it they. Uh, they they sell an emotion, right? So usually we are representing a lot of things and for people that didn't have contact, directly contact with that users, right? So how can we bring not only the more pragmatic and functional uh, things that we discovered, but also the colors, the sense, you know, Things that are not said, but it's there. Even what I mentioned about uh, in the phrase, if you take only a description, for instance, you can say, oh, I, I like that. But when you see the face, you see that the person is not as excited. You know. So when you associate uh, the, the functional uh, findings with the emotional findings, I think we create a better um, representation of what we learn. So... Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of using image videos or pictures, uh, but we have to be super respectful because sometimes we can sell, because for instance, even in videos, you can select the, the, the moments of the person being more like funny, making jokes, and then we create the image that the person is like a, a dump, like, you know, uh, but maybe it's not it's just a trait of the personality, but that same person mm-hmm. told a very serious thing throughout the video. So the cut or the selection that you do has to be um, more uh, representative of the, of the re- reality. And we are like super, you have the power, as you, t- as you said, you know, so this type of thing. So uh, usually, you want to when you have opportunity, we ask people how they want. To, we ask them to build. So for instance, use diary, you know, diary studies mm-hmm. uh, that people send the pictures that they want, and we ask them to send the pictures of with of them with something that they like in their house, for instance. So right. that uh, even though it's not the most uh, perfect. Uh, picture it's a picture that represent them in a more uh, respectful way so more and more and they get to choose what that photo is what and they're choosing and they're choosing what that photo is exactly exactly interesting that that's that's some great just general research advice um Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you know there's one method in particular the diary study where you're giving the power back to the so the participant yes. to decide what is an accurate representation of their life, what is an accurate answer to that to a exactly. question that you may pose to them, mm-hmm. and that's you know anytime where you're not giving them that agency, you have to be really critical about the artifacts that you choose to include as part of your presentation or as part of your analysis. I think that's that's really really good advice. Yeah, um, it's well. Uh, Paula, I, I think that's a great note to end off on. I think that's fantastic advice. And, you know, it's really highlights a part of, 
you know, the influence and power that we have Mm -hmm. that we often don't necessarily think critically about. Uh, And I think this conversation has been very enlightening, certainly for me. Um, So thank you so much for joining and for being a part of the podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Great, Alec. Thank you very much. I love this. So the, the last advice that I could give for, for all our researchers is keeping curious, you know, and uh, learning, and knowing that you don't know, and learning with each other. I think sometimes when you're too much, uh, too long in the career, you forget about that. But if you remember that, uh, that we are learning with people, I think you can do an amazing job. Thank you very much Hello. for having me. I love this conversation. That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, great way to end off. Um, have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the UXR podcast. Don't forget coming up soon is our annual UXR conf that you're gonna to wanna to check out happening at the end of February. It's super affordable, it's only 99 bucks. And if you can't afford that, just reach out to us and we'll find a price that will work for you. Our goal is to make this the most financially accessible conference ever. So we're really looking forward to seeing you there and hearing from you and learning with you. So hope to see you at the end of February. Take care. <laughs>